Oh, man, Corey. Hey. How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm making it. Yeah. 2022. Well, 2022. Here we are. Ugh. You know what? Let's just let's get into it. You just want to just, wanna, just well. Let's this is uh, this is side talks. It's a podcast about movies. I'm Corey. That's Rachel. We're going to talk about movies now. Let's do it. Let's do it. What? Show me that smile. Show me that smile. Show and do Um, you know what section <laughs> this is, right? I've yes, brought, I do. I brought an item. This is not an advertisement, though. I want you to know this is going to run like an oh, advertisement. So take I know a look what at this. this is. So I just shoved a, a book across the table at Corey. And again, we are not working for A24 pictures or merch. Though, no. I will say if our friends at A24 are listening, if you need a know-it-all weird white guy to talk about movies, hit your boy up. We'll we'll take a towel. <laughs> we'll take a, a, a mug. We'll take if you have that happen to have that little Furby. So if you've got one of those in back stock like somewhere from, from Uncut Gems, we would love that. Or you could just refund me for the book that I just shoved across the table at Corey. So this is um, it goes with their recent auction of m- promotional movie swag. Yes. This is a catalog called promotion uh, for promotional use only that um, has a lot of photos of promotional movie knickknacks. Like the scratch and sniff card from the the John Waters film Polyester, uh, a, a Wilson the volleyball that has the bloody handprint from Castaway. I'm just flipping. Through I mean, that's this. what I thought would be fun was we'll just randomly land on what is this? Let's just randomly land on a few different pages, and a we'll fatal tell you. attraction jacket. It has the logo on the back. I would wear that. I would totally wear that. Oh my goodness! A lot of fanny packs a for the Parent packs. Trap remake and who, Die Hard Two. Who doesn't want a Parent Trap fanny pack? A fluffy yeah. blanket with the Gladiator logo on it. A what does it say? Pillowcase that says Gump happens from Forrest Gump. Boy, that is a that is something. An ET comb and brush set that is hot pink and features an image of E.T. when he's dressed up with the wig and the, the little blouse and the hat on. That's a stroke of brilliance. That is that is an interesting choice. A Fargo-themed paper shredder. Pretty great. Which Pretty is great, y'all. really something. Um, what is this? A puzzle cube for the big Lebowski. Um, oh. Lubricant. I imagine that's personal lubricant. Uh, branded for the Ivan Reitman 2001 sci-fi comedy Evolution. I mean, that that's a winner. That's something. That's a winner. A do-the-right-thing stress ball. Boy, you wish Mookie <laughs> had had that. Um, everybody could have uh, oh, it's so good. brought the temperature down a little bit at the end of do-the-right-thing. A letter opener uh, shaped like a Hattori Hanzo samurai sword with the Kill Bill Volume 1 logo on it. Um, a milk chocolate asteroid made by Nestle with meteorite candy inside from the Michael Bay film Armageddon. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. And ooh. these are just a handful of items in this thing. The level of merch that's been out there in the world for films, it, it's something special. I want this stuffed monkey from the uh, beloved children's film um dunston checks in he's wearing a little t-shirt as well that says dunston checks in well i need you to know that i bid during this auction oh and i i didn't win but i did bid on the glengarry glen ross umbrella there's a glengarry glen ross (laughs) umbrella (laughs) and i thought what random shit do i need and that i wanted that 
a Harriet the Spy decoder pen. That is bizarre. I mean, actually, that makes sense. Um, ooh, a Fight Club bar of soap. There you go. Wow. There well, you go. Anyway, there's a lot of great stuff in there. It's a, it's pretty fun to, to flip through. And there's some really, as you're glancing through there, some really dated stuff, too, which also makes it really fun. But, yeah, some of uh, my favorite merch is just laying between those pages. A, a desk clock with the logo for the Harrison Ford film Witness. A St. Elmo's Fire pitcher. Beer pitcher, which is kind of perfect. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, if you've got any good merch out there in your collection, shoot us an email. Yeah, we definitely want to hear about that because this stuff is fascinating. Podcast at SidewalkFest.com. Give us, give us one more before we move on. A bumper sticker that reads, watch out for me. I am pure evil. I am Christine for the John Carpenter film, Christine. I'd put that on my car. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. Oh, Corey. So here's what I've been watching. Yeah. I, I alluded to this earlier. We talked about Bill Pullman. I, I've watched a couple of things. Of course, these are a couple of things I've dusted the, VH, uh, the VHS tapes off for. And I did a young Alec Baldwin double feature. So one of them is Malice. One of them is Malice, starring a very young, uh, very handsome Alec Baldwin with his full-on, very disturbing chest hair. Uh-huh. And he has the same thing in the other film, Miami Blues. Miami Blues, of course, from 1990. Uh, Malice from, I believe, 93. Yeah. And, man, these are pretty incredible films. Uh, I really enjoyed both of them. Miami Blues is really strange. It's way stranger than I remember. And there's an eye-stitching scene that is, I just, I I remembered Ooh. it being pretty intense, but I screamed out during this thing when we were watching it again that, like, the makeup artist should have won an Academy Award for it. Huh. It is it is a close-up, and, uh, I mean, it's something else. That sounds intense. I've never seen Miami Blues. It's weird. I don't know if you're going to like it, and I'm not going to say it's a great film, but uh-huh. it is a really interesting film. It's weird in so many ways. And, of course, Malice is is going to present itself as if it's a pr- pretty traditional thriller. I'm not saying it's not, but it is about as Hitchcockian as it gets in the, in the modern era or close to the modern era. And, uh, you know, not, not too far in the, in the past. And it, it has some twists and turns that I think you'll be impressed by. Uh, the performances are really, really strong. Are you surprised? It's Nicole Kidman, of course. Of course. I, I highly recommend it. And it's when it is silly and kind of over the top, it is in, with such a homage to Hitchcock that it's, it's very enjoyable. And Miami blues is um, it's based on a novel and it is very much Alec Baldwin, uh, the sort of grifter type, which if you've noticed, I tend to, to lean towards these films. I like them a lot. So he's got, he's on the hustle and he meets a young woman. Uh, he, he engages her uh, for some sex work and ends up, dating her and that woman is played by jennifer jason lee oh with a very odd are you shocked by this southern accent because jennifer jason lee is always doing something she's got to she's got to have some business going you got to have something yeah and he is maniacally mm, a troublemaker yeah and is getting himself in trouble when he doesn't need to it's not just about like do i need to go get money and be on he just cannot behave his damn self and he ends up where they really promote this film and where where you really see this them trying to ram this down your throat um, in the in the marketing is that he comes across a police badge. I won't tell you how because it's not really that interesting or important. But also you should see the film. Um, he comes across a police badge and then interrupts 
robberies and crime and then, you know, for example, would interrupt somebody stealing a purse and then holds the badge up and takes the purse himself and runs. <laughs> so that's the, that's the sort of hook, so to speak, of this thing. Anyway, they're both really good. I can tell you a couple of interesting things really fast. Okay. Which is that very odd that Suzanne Vega was actually up for the role that Jennifer Jason Lee played. Yes, that's Suzanne Vega. That is odd. She, I didn't know that she had acting aspirations. I had no idea. Huh. Or that she was capable of acting. But apparently she turned the role down to work on her, I think it's her fourth album. So anyway, that was really, really interesting. I think it's also huh. fun to watch Miami Blues and consider that uh, they really wanted Fred Ward as an AP on this. Yeah. And he really wanted Jonathan Demme. To direct, and this feels yeah. like a Jonathan. This is what this this. I think this is where the weirdness comes in. Uh-huh. It feels like a Jonathan Demi film directed by somebody else. Yeah, um, I mean, there are worse things, right? You know, if, if filmmakers, I think more filmmakers could stand to try to rip off Demi's whole deal. Yeah, uh, but of course, Demi had worked with Baldwin on Married to the Mob. Right. He um, kind of, I think he read the script and was like, I'm, I'm okay. And, you know, ki- and kick this to another director. Let me go make The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Pretty um, much. Pretty much. You know, I due respect to Miami Blues, sounds interesting. Might have been a better choice for him to make The Silence of the it Lambs. It was definitely a better choice. Um, yeah. Also, uh, pointing out really quickly, did you know that Malice was co-written by Aaron Sorkin? I did know that. Yeah. That That's has been cool one of the things that sort of... Uh, is hanging over me, even though I have <laughs> ups and downs with Aaron Sorkin. Uh, as we um, all do. As we all do. There's there's no um disputing the fact that when he's on, he's he's really strong. So yeah. um it's it's something I've been meaning to check out. Well what have you been watching? Well um I want to highlight three um really excellent films that have come out at the end of this year. You know, it's award season, right? Right. So we're getting all of these prestige pictures released um, on streaming and in cinemas. Um, And if you are down uh, to make a trip to a cinema at this moment, obviously, um, first and foremost, my recommendation is to see Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza, a movie that I really, really, really enjoyed a great deal. Um, I don't want to harp on it too much. I have a feeling it's a film that we are going to talk about over the next few months yeah. as it, you know, sort of uh, gets in front of um, audiences and gets awards attention and stuff like that. But it's a really sweet uh, little movie. Um, it, the acting debut of its two leads, uh, Cooper Hoffman, who is the son of Paul Thomas Anderson's late great collaborator, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, and you can see, by the way, so many of his dad's mannerisms yeah. peek through and it, it just kind of breaks your heart every time. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to get over Philip Seymour Hoffman, the loss of, of that great actor. Maybe, maybe never. I don't know. Yeah. But he was he was the best. Um, and then Alana Haim, um, who is fantastic. Um, in fact, the in, in, all three Haim sisters are in Licorice Pizza and their parents um playing this sort of family unit that, that hilariously pops up throughout the movie. Um, Is the fourth Heim sister in there? I was not aware there was a fourth Heim oh, yeah. sister. Taylor Swift. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, okay. No, she's not. Damn. It would not have been completely um, out of the realm of possibility for a Taylor Swift walk-on in this movie because there are so many little cameos and small roles played by 
by big stars. Obviously, most notably, as, as you see in the trailers, you've got Sean Penn and Tom Waits yep. who pop up for one sequence that's really hilarious. And then Bradley Cooper just comes in, and he's in the movie for less than 10 minutes maybe, but he just kind of uh, blows the the whole thing down. I mean, he's hilarious as real-life insane former boyfriend of Barbara Streisand turned film producer John Peters, who is um, a real character. Um, I mean that in every sense of that term. Right. Um, and he's he's so fun in, in Licorice Pizza. I, I really do think it's great. Um, and um, I don't think anybody who's listening to this podcast needs me to recommend it, but, but yeah, yeah, there yeah. it is. The other two I, I do want to recommend, um, I really did enjoy Sean Baker's Red Rocket. Um, I perhaps didn't enjoy it to the degree that I enjoy Tangerine and The Florida Project. I think it might be a step below those films, but I think it's really solid um, and hilarious uh, following this absolute scumbag character uh, played by Simon Rex in a really go-for-broke, genuinely funny performance as this um, down-on-his-luck former porn star turned suitcase pimp who has returned to his small Texas hometown to exploit whoever he possibly can um, and and crawl back on top um, as much as he can. Um, good for Simon Rex. Yeah, a really good performance, really good movie um, that that I think um, those with particularly dark sensibilities uh, will gravitate towards. Uh, and then the third movie I want to highlight is a new film, a new release on Netflix um, that's a really just stunning film debut from a new writer-director. She is, however, a person we know, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, Mm -hmm. who has made her directorial debut uh, with this film, The Lost Daughter. And I think this is a masterpiece. I love this movie. Um, The Lost Daughter is adapted from, I think, a novella by Elena Ferrante, who is – Popular, but kind of unknown to me with her. Um, she has the series of novels that that um, have to do with sort of Italian coming of age themes. I don't really know much. I'm, ex- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm expressing my ignorance here because I, okay. our listeners who know and love those books are just screaming at me. And I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I hear that they're good. We don't talk about books on this podcast. We don't talk about books. We talk um, about movies. Um, the Lost Daughter um, features what I, I'm going to go out and say it. Uh, the best performance I saw in a film in Whoa. 2021 from Olivia Coleman. Now, that's not shocking because Olivia Coleman is excellent. We all already knew this. If you saw The Favorite, uh, The Father, this movie Tyrannosaur that she made some years ago, we know how great Olivia Coleman is, but she outdoes herself in The Lost Daughter playing a very prickly, um, at some points, unlikable academic who has some interesting decisions in her past that start coming back to the surface of her memory as she tries to vacation on a Greek island and she becomes intertwined with this other vacationing family featuring your girl, Dakota Johnson, um, as um, a young mother who grows weirdly close to this this Coleman character. Uh, along the way, we get flashbacks to Olivia Coleman's character as a younger woman, as a young mother herself, struggling with motherhood. Um, she's played in those flashbacks by Jesse Buckley, who is also fantastic. Um, this movie is kind of defiantly um, 
prickly and uh, unafraid to show complicated, uh, complicated women making unlikable decisions. Um, and it's it's a movie that when it ended, I, I said to my wife, "This is the first time in a while that I, a movie has ended." And I've said, "You know, there really are too many movies made about men. There wow. really are." Um, wow! Because it's such I don't a believe my ears. It's such a a, a distressingly novel perspective right. that the Lost Daughter showcases. Um, and I'm I'm talking around the thing because sort of the film has secrets up its sleeve and, yeah. and sort of character rev- revelations that I think you need to experience kind of cold if you can. Um, but it, it, it is a, a refreshingly candid and dark and complicated look at motherhood. Um, and you don't see that. Yeah. You don't well, see that. You know, go do a quick Google search for the, t- the top most famous film directors. Yeah, I know. And what you're going to see is that little Google bar that has all the pictures and you'll scroll through and they all have one thing in common. Right. They most of they have they most of them have two things in common, but there's definitely one. Right. Yeah, no. I you're right. You're right. And um, you know, g- good on Maggie Gyllenhaal for sure. For, Except Uh-oh. Jake and Maggie. Uh-huh. Give Taylor the scarf back. Uh, well, she Give her the scarf back. Maggie's not anyway, involved. Maggie's not involved. Mm. Maggie innocent. Um, and a great filmmaker. Also, not for nothing, I, I do think it's hilarious that there is a role in this film that is like a a remarkably appealing, seductive academic. And Maggie was like, who am I going to cast in this? My husband, Peter Sarsgaard, the most attractive man alive, mm. uh, which I think is just it's just funny and sweet. So good for them. Uh, but it's a great movie. I, I'm really enthusiastic about it. I feel like the movie's kind of sliding under the radar a little bit. I hope that people check it out. Licorice Pizza, not sliding under the radar, right? For sure. But The Lost Daughter and Red Rocket, check those out if you haven't. So that's what I've been watching. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Side Talks podcast for your own personal cinematic Fred Ward and Harvey Keitel. Okay, well, I know both of those actors, but I don't know their relationship to one another. Well, this is kind of all on me. Uh Uh-huh. I have a theory that Fred Ward is a poor man's Harvey Keitel. I like Fred Ward. It doesn't mean you don't have to like him. Hmm. Still just means he's a poor man's Harvey Keitel. He's got that accent, though. When you you can't get Harvey Keitel, who do you get? Fred Ward. I'm it's not true. sure. It's true. I'm not it's sure true. about this. I don't. I don't know that Harvey Keitel would have worked in Tremors. <laughs> I think that's 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 territory, that's Fred what, Ward. That's what I'm saying. When you can't get Harvey Keitel, or when you don't want Harvey Keitel, um, I think everybody. All I think Har- that's what I'm getting at. I think everybody's true. You know, first choice would really be Harvey Keitel. You think? You think like Ron Underwood when he was like casting Tremors was like, all right, we need somebody for our giant worm monster yes. movie. Called up Harvey and Harvey's like, I'm making Bad Lieutenant, dude. I gotta flash my dick at yes. like innocent people on the street. Or I, I, think I don't have he time was for like, your worms. He was like, ah, I wish we could call Harvey Keitel, but we can't call Harvey Keitel. He's never gonna do this. But you know who would do it? Fred Ward. All right. Harvey Keitel would be bad in Tremors. Fred Ward rules in Tremors. So eh. it worked out. Eh. It is worked it that out. he would be bad or is it we just would never know because he's not going to dip that low? Well, okay. But 
justice for tremors, okay? Because I'll take tremors over bad lieutenant. All I'll, I'm I'll hearing, all I'm hearing is that I'm right, mm, I don't and know. that you're you just you're trying to have some kind of like have Fred Ward's back. Even though I bet if Fred Ward were here, he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm the poor man's Harvey Keitel." He'd probably be like, "I've sat in the the waiting room of a lot of auditions with Harvey Keitel, and um, I don't know, maybe picture they, Fred know, maybe Ward and the piano." Ooh. Already, Harvey Keitel is such a strange little beefcake in that thing. But, but Fred who, Ward takes it to some alternate universe. Would Fred Ward do the New Zealand accent better? Maybe. I uh, we'll never know. We'll never know. Jane we'll Campion, know. call us up. He wouldn't wipe that piano off naked, butt naked, with a shirt better though. That's true. I mean, that on, only Harvey could do that. But I, I do wonder if, like Jane Campion, like had a. Uh, uh, Harvey Keitel headshot and then a Fred Ward headshot next to each Here's other thing, and was just Corey. like, you know, her hands on her head, just like, oh my God, which do I go with? Yes. I and actually that is actually Fred Ward's ass. He was the body <laughs> double for Harvey Keitel in the piano. So that's his D and his ass. Well, that's good. This has really devolved. We've this we've, is really <laughs> we've scraped the bottom, everybody. We've By the way, don't make it. us do our retractions on this. I'm totally lying. That's not Fred Ward's D and, and B. D Side and talks. B. Um, well, thank you to our sponsor, <laughs> Revelator Coffee, who sponsors all this D&B talk. Uh, and they're wonderfully gracious in doing so. We love Revelator. We love their coffee. I personally love their coffee. I need Me some too. Revelator coffee right now. Boy. Um, and thanks, of course, to Boutwell Studios for producing and sponsoring this show. As always, what else do we say here? Uh, follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and other stuff too. At Sidewalk Film. I think we're even on the TikTok. Uh, what's is that on, what the, is that what the kids are calling it? The, the TikTok. The TikTok. Um, what would we have to put on TikTok? I don't know. Ask do, do we get Kiwi Sam and, and ask Casey? Uh, do we get Sam and and Casey and Kiwi to do those TikTok dances? Ooh, that are I so do trendy? know. I do know that there was um there was a video of Senator Bones, our uh, one and only Senator Bones, um, roaming around the cinema doing hot girl shit. Well, Senator Bones is known for doing hot girl girl shit. shit. Um, And then SidewalkFest.com is where you can go to see cinema showtimes and buy tickets to showings at the uh, Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. Come see a movie with us. Um, You'll have a good time. You'll see a good movie. Get get a drink. Get get some popcorn. uh, And say hello to our friendly Sidewalk staff and our friendly Senator Bones doing hot girl shit. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.